Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. I think it's oof, something we all can relate to. Uh, there's a term getting thrown around. Remember, we still got a lot going on and we have these new syndromes that are born out of uh, socio-political, environmental things that are happening we were talking a lot about that when COVID first occurred, you know, um, what is this going to do to all of us? Is it going to be somewhat of a collective trauma? Um, there was some trauma, there was some growth, right? Post-traumatic growth, post-traumatic stress. And now we're talking about something called lifestyle fatigue. Um, I'll talk more about it down the road because this is something that I think has a lot of different entry points. So we'll hit it again, but it's what a lot of people are going, going through right now. It's this, um, this flatness this uh, watered downness. Um, one of the words we use um, is anhedonia. Anhedonia, anhedonia. It's basically the inability to really experience much joy or pleasure in your life. And I think it's a lot of it, it's something a lot of us can encounter and and maybe are feeling. And my work clinically has been to normalize that. Um, not that it feels good, but uh, that is a natural response to what's going on. It's not disordered or pathological. We don't ever want to call something that's an understandable expected response, a disorder or pathology. Just like when someone dies and you're grieving or sad, that is normal, natural, and healthy. You are That is an appropriate response to grief and loss is sadness or depression. Depression is appropriate and healthy at times. Anxiety is a healthy and appropriate at times. Those are built-in protective mechanisms. We wanna stop pathologizing and shaming the emotions and experiences that we've deemed to be, you know, quote unquote negative. They're not negative. All emotions serve a purpose. Anger is healthy. Depression is healthy. Anxiety is healthy. Grief and loss are healthy. Grief and loss connect us to individuals and, and help us generate the meaning of those that are lost. Anger helps us defend ourselves and realize that a boundary was crossed. Um, boredom isn't bad or pathological. Loneliness isn't bored, you know, bad or pathological. These are natural, healthy responses. So realizing I'm not deriving a lot of joy or pleasure in my life right now doesn't mean that something's bad, wrong, or broken. It's an understandable experience. And so I want to just normalize that because I think sometimes on the show, when I talk about you know tips and tricks and ways to work with or work through, it implies that certain things are bad and wrong and need to be gotten rid of when in fact they're not. Remember, I say this on the show all the time and also in my practice, which is mental health health is the ability to feel 
all feelings, not just the good ones as we've labeled them to be, because no feelings are good or bad. It's just we're more comfortable or familiar with some, but mental health is the ability to feel all feelings, to feel all of them deeply, but to also be able to participate meaningfully in our lives and carry them with us. We have to make room for them. We're not trying to get rid of emotions. We're not trying to get rid of depression. We're not trying to get rid of anxiety. We're not trying to get rid of grief and loss. We're trying to make room and allow them while also moving forward in our lives and participating meaningfully in all the things that are important to us. We can still be participating in work and dating and family time while being sad, depressed, anxious, lonely, bored, whatever it is, angry. That's mental health, the flexibility within that. So when we talk about this lifestyle lifestyle fatigue, I'm not saying, oh my God, it's bad, it's wrong, it's a disorder, something's wrong, see a doctor, get medications. No, I'm saying expect it. It's normal. It's a healthy response to what's going on. The world is different. We don't have the ability to actively participate in the world in the way that we had before. There are a lot of reasonable things occurring that could be depressing. So we're not panicking, we're not making it bad or wrong, we're making room for it, we're allowing it, but we're also gonna talk about some ways to still motivate ourselves to participate meaningfully in all the things that are important to us. It's both. I wanna make sure I'm constantly giving that caveat or that disclaimer on the show. So that's what you would have heard me doing in my office with my patients over the past couple weeks is normalizing a lot of what people are experiencing and going through, that boredom, that loneliness, that inability to find a lot of joy and pleasure in general or in the things, the peoples and places and things that maybe historically you had. I always tell people we never go back to anything. It's always about we move forward and have a new relationship with things. And that's what we're doing. We're moving forward, having a new relationship to our emotions, a new relationship to people, places, and things, a new relationship to the world, a new relationship to the future. But we want to kind of crank down the uh, fear around it. Because if we battle our emotions, that's what intensifies them and makes everything worse. We want to allow and make room for them. Oh, yeah, there it is. And it's okay. It's allowed to be there. But what else did I need to do today? Let me go on about my day while making room for and letting it be a companion on my journey with me. We can't try to remove everything we don't like. And that's part of the toxic components of psychiatry and psychology is this idea that certain emotions are bad and if you feel them, do everything you can to get rid of them. Oh my God, that's a loss of humanity. We're not trying to be robots. There are no bad or wrong emotions. It's just we have to learn how to carry them with us and still be functional as they're occurring and sometimes not even be functional. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, this whole lifestyle fatigue and what we can do, again, to try to still behaviorally exist in the world. Um, So we're not shaming or pathologizing, we're normalizing. Um, And then, uh, you know the drill, we're going to be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want to hit, circle back, drop deeper into, and uh, past episodes of the show. Always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down there for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Take me with you on your journey. Otherwise, y'all, stick around. We got a lot more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, y'all, we're back. And we're just talking about this new concept, uh, different buzzwords, um, anhedonia, which is this idea. A lot of people pronounce it differently, anhedonia, anhedonia, you know, doesn't really matter. The point is that it's the experience, or I guess it's the absence of experiencing the joy and pleasure that we used to find in our lives honestly within anything and a lot of it is this new syndrome that's born out of having not had access or the ability to participate meaningfully in the world as it had been the world is different now and will continue to always be so much has changed our relationship to everything let's just talk about our relationship to the outside world in general it doesn't feel safe to a lot of people they're like am i gonna get monkeypox am i gonna get covid am i gonna get the general flu we're having heat waves um school shootings It is a healthy, understandable response that we feel very depressed or anxious about the outside world. That is not disordered or pathological. Dear God, if you're not feeling it, I'm wondering what rock you're buried under. Every time you watch the news, you're like, oh God, there's more going on. So it's a very understandable response, but we don't want to be uh, using it against ourselves. We want to still be able to participate meaningfully in our lives in all the different ways while making room and allowing for the grief that we might feel as a result of the world we're now in, the anxiety about how unsafe we feel in the outside world, which is very, very reasonable, or the depression we feel because of what's going on. I often feel what we can call some of this existential anxiety and depression about the fact that we have global warming and no one seems to care or be willing to do all the drastic necessary things to reverse it, but yet we want to complain about the heat, et cetera, et cetera. Whew. You know, we talk about school shootings again, but a lot of people don't want to do the necessary drastic steps to prevent that from being able to take place again, et cetera, et cetera. Very understandable that some people are thinking we're going to hell in a handbasket because in a lot of ways we are. We don't see a lot of shifts and changes. I said that at the beginning of the pandemic. I remember I was saying over and over and over, I hope if nothing else, a few good things come out of it being that we have more collective responsibility where we look out for each other and realize how interconnected we are. That didn't happen. Also, I want us to be focusing more on our mental and physical health. That certainly didn't happen. Yeah, a lot of people got into therapy, but a lot of people still refuse to do the work. You know, um, we're still obsessed with our bodies and going to the gym. We're still obsessed with materialism and what we can purchase. We're still worshiping money and power. Same old, same old. Just the world looks different structurally, but the uh, core problematic values still exist and reign supreme. So yeah, I often have existential anxiety and depression around that. We still haven't been woken up. What more does it take? 
Um, I've been positively impacted by it. I've made some necessary changes, but most of us haven't. So that's very understandable. And again, um, things are just different in general. So when you go to your favorite store, whatever it is, there's so many things that are different just about your experience of what once was. Going to the movies feels completely different. Going and seeing art feels different. People are really afraid of each other, leaning away, wearing masks. It is a different, it's just different. So we're not shaming or pathologizing that, but a lot of people in my private practice, my patients are saying, okay, thank you, Dr. Chris, for normalizing it. I'm not going to shame myself. I think that there's something wrong with me that I'm experiencing this. The world doesn't feel as fun or as joyful or alive as it was, but I want to still go and meaningfully, excuse me, I want to still go and meaning, meaningfully participate. Great. We can work on that. Because a lot of mental health is not about removing or resolving depression, anxiety, and all that. It's about saying, how can we still work towards the goals you have while acknowledging those healthy, natural, expected emotions that will always be a part of your life, even while in good therapy and doing the work, even while on medications, because we're not trying to be robots devoid of certain feelings. Mental health is feeling all of our feelings and feeling them all deeply and being able to deal with them appropriately. Not every emotion's valid. I used to say all emotions and feelings are valid. Well, no, actually they're not. Some of them are not rooted in reality. Often they're dramatized and catastrophized. Often they're born out of problematic, distorted thinking. So they're not all valid. But what's more important is you don't get to cause harm, or let me say it differently, you don't want to and shouldn't cause harm to others or yourself as a result of them. We wanna learn how to work with our emotions and often change them change them towards something a little more productive and reality-based. We all need to be working on doing a little reality testing. We talk about that when I do shows on you know, emotional regulation and boundaries based on what's going on. Is my response appropriate for the severity of what actually happened? Do I need to right-size it? Anyone that's a longtime listener of the show has heard all of that. If you want to hear more about it, go to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it, bam. It's all there, worth a re-listen, worth multiple re-listens. But don't worry, I'll circle back and talk about those topics because it's all about repetition and they always find their way back in another, through other topics or entry points. But we're gonna spend tonight talking about, okay, so then like, what do we do? So one of the first things I always bring up is that not, you know, this whole concept of like, you know, existential dread or lifestyle fatigue or, you know, anhedonia where I'm not feeling joy or pleasure in the world. A lot of it leads to things where we further depress ourselves. Things are hard and then we make them harder. And one of the things that happens is we do what we call behavioral deactivation, meaning we back away from all the necessary important behaviors, especially the ones that are important to us and the ones that might make us feel better. So the work then is the opposite, behavioral activation. How do I start to activate myself? How do I start to galvanize myself and motivate myself to get into action of some kind, to make some changes, to get out in the world, to do more, to push on my edges, and to realize living in reality, which is what we're always trying to do, that there still is joy to be found, even while having some anxiety, depression, or whatever it is around other factors. Because no matter what's going on in the world, joy always is to be found or accessible. And that's not what we're really talking about tonight is finding joy, but we're just acknowledging that there's never one label or one emotion or one experience that can speak to everything that's going on. And we wanna have that flexibility and adaptability. And that's what behavioral activation is. Having a hard day, great, honor that, allow that, but also still go towards whatever it is that's meaningful to you. Rough example, I'll have a weekend where maybe I wake up and I'm feeling depressed for whatever reason. I say, okay, I'm allowed to feel depressed. Nothing 
wrong with that. Let me just think for a second. Is it appropriate to have that feeling right now? Or should I really work it through? Is it rooted in a cognitive distortion? Is it is it a dramatization of something? Am I making an assumption about my future and other people that isn't true or real? And I need to really come back to reality? And if I do that work and I realize, no, this is pretty reasonable, then I say to myself, okay, let me let that depression be with me on my journey. What was it I was planning on doing today? And let me go do that. We'll come back, talk more about how to pull this off and put it into your own life. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Oh, Rachel, we're back. And we're just talking about, I guess, essentially adaptability, flexibility, workability. And that's really the, the, the root of mental health. Um, we don't want to live in a mood dependent way. Well, I feel this way. And so I'm just going to act and live and think from it as though every emotion is reasonable, rooted in reality and valid. And it's not. Oftentimes our mood and our emotions are born out of problematic thinking. Rough example. This was something that a friend was saying today. I'm never going to find love. Okay. Well, you don't know that. That is not a reality based statement. You have no idea what's to come. But you are projecting that into the future. And understandably, that's a very depressing concept for some people. So you're depressing yourself by buying into a belief system that we have no evidence of because we don't know what's happening in the future. And so that is not an appropriate emotion. That's a very dramatized, catastrophized, future tripping based emotion. All we know is what's happening today. And today you're without partnership. And so today you feel lonely because of that. Okay, let's normalize that loneliness. You're without partnership and you really wish you had it. Okay, that's not pathological or disordered, but that amplification of it was, so we crank it down a little bit. Now, we're working on behavioral activation. You can feel lonely and, and sad because you don't have partnership and still go participate in the day. We have to learn how to not be dependent on our mood to decide what we do. And we really struggle with that as humans. We think, well, if I'm depressed, I need to act and feel depressed. No, you don't. You can be depressed and acknowledge that and make room for it and allow it and let it be a companion on your afternoon where you were going to go to the movies and you still go to the movies. So that's the first thing. Still move towards that which had brought you joy. Because we're talking today about that exhaustion, that existential anxiety, that fear, that depression, that lifestyle fatigue, where people are like, I'm not finding joy and value in a lot of my day or my time. Great. Let's acknowledge that that's there, but let's still move towards. Let's activate. Let's still engage and see what happens. Because that is real and that is honest. So behavioral activation is going to be a huge one. Go have an experience. When in doubt, go out. My patients hear me say that often. When in doubt, go out. Should I still go take that class tonight? Yes. I'm feeling kind of sad and depressed. Should I still go to yoga? Yes. When in doubt, go have an experience. Oh, I'm feeling kind of lonely today. Good, go have an experience. Go see some art by yourself. Go window shopping. Go call a friend and go to coffee. Go do something. When in doubt, go out. Why? Because it's doing multiple things. Number one, it's giving us the possibility of actually finding and stumbling into fun. Two, it distracts us, gets us out of our thinking. There is nothing meaningful, productive, or healthy about sitting home ruminating in this. And also, we're learning what we call flexibility. I can feel one way and still act another way, which is an important skill. All parents at some point want to hit their child. The unhealthy ones go ahead and follow through and do it. It's called abuse, spanking, hitting, throwing, screaming. It's all abuse. Healthy parents realize just because I feel a certain way doesn't mean I act on it. I live and act for my values instead, and I don't spank my child or hit my child or name call my child. That's called violence, abuse, and being a bully. We can do that around all of our adult emotions with ourselves. That's important. So behavioral activation. Also, 
this is another one. And this is part of this idea of when in doubt, go out, go have an experience. Sometimes it's with yourself. Other times it might be with someone else. Talk, talk it out, share it with someone. Why is that meaningful? You don't feel alone in it. Sometimes they have really good insight. Like, hey, that's odd that you're sad that you're single. You're always dating someone. It's only been three months since you're in a relationship. Isn't that kind of a short amount of time to expect something? Wow, thanks, Tim. What a very valid point, right? Our friends can bring reality testing because we don't tend to do that. Remember, our brains have a negativity bias. They catastrophize. They globalize and assume it's always going to be, and they make everything personal. And we need other people's brains to challenge that. That's what good therapy does. Challenges your thinking but we can therapeutize ourselves by challenging our own thinking. Is that real? What's the data that proves that? How can I possibly know what's coming down the road in the future? Ah, I'm obviously projecting. So have a conversation with someone. It's a really good way for them to, again, challenge or for you to hear your own process. If you don't have someone, journal. It's a very important way for you to work through and be like, wow, what am I telling myself? Because remember, our moods tie to our thinking. There's always a thought process or a narrative or an assumption that is driving the way we feel. Those feelings don't just come out of absolutely nowhere. I don't, for no reason at all, standing in line at the coffee shop, just get angry. It's because I say there's a long line and there shouldn't be. That's the thought process. There shouldn't be a long line. Or I held the door open for that person. They didn't say thank you. And I think that they owe me something, which they don't. And so I'm angry at them for not saying thank you. I wasn't just magically angry standing at the door. There was a thought process, a rule, an assumption that was broken and now I'm upset. I gotta work with that. Hey, no one owes me anything. I hold the door open because I want to. If I'm holding it because I'm expecting a response, I'm gonna have a tough life ahead of me. Not everyone's gonna say thank you or be aware of that or maybe they're distracted. Who knows? But I'm not gonna let every time I hold a door open for someone because that's within my value system, maybe having my day ruined because I'm angry as a result of it. Maybe I should stop holding the door open. I'm not mature enough to deal with whatever response I'm gonna get. Gotta get better talking yourself through. I dropped a lot of gems in that one, huh? It's like I say in the movies, the person in front of you is talking, ask them to please stop. If they don't move your seat, that's mental health, adaptability. All right, I did what I could do. Clearly not going to help. Let me move. The unhealthy people start screaming, throwing things, picking a fight. Oh my God, grow up. We got to work better with ourselves. All right, we're going to talk more about this, but first we're going to come back and uh, do some DMs. So if you've got a question for us, topic you want to sit, something you want us to circle back, drop deeper into, put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Otherwise, stick around. we got a whole lot more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, how do I date? as a demisexual. I'm finding it challenging to date in this hypersexual and lightning speed dating world. The men I date don't believe me that I'm interested because I'm slow to warm up physically. How do I convey my interest while also honoring my boundaries and timeline? Bam, bam, bam. Love this one. Demisexual, someone who has to get uh, further um, connected, uh, intimacy built, more familiarity and sexuality and sexual interest and desire come online once that kind of connection has been built. So these are individuals that don't traditionally participate in hookup culture because that's not really honest for who they are. Um, and that's the opposite of someone who's fray sexual, which means the more committed and intimate they get with someone's sexuality and sexual desire actually drops off. Um, and a lot of people don't know that. And they go into couples or sex therapy, not realizing that this is just going to be how it will be with every and any partner and having, you know, and really figuring out how to work with that. So here's what I always say. 
you know, it's not our physicality that always demonstrates interest. Uh, and if you are someone who isn't open or interested in demonstrating that through physicality, make sure you're doing it with time, attention, and your words. There's no way someone could feel as though you aren't interested if you're if you're always expressing interest verbally. I like you. I can't wait to see you again. I had fun with you. If you're expressing it with touch, because again, demisexual doesn't mean you're touch phobic or touch repulsive. For some of you, maybe it does, but you can still hold hands and put your arm around someone, whether or not that's a natural part of your desire. I don't think it's going against your boundaries if your interest is to be with them, to put your arm around them or touch them or cuddle them or hug them. That would then be within your integrity because it is tied to the goal you have and it's okay for us to push on our comfort. So I'm okay with you leaning into that. I'm also okay with you maybe having sex with someone you're interested in and that you feel safe with a little bit quicker than you're maybe normally used to or interested in. It is okay for us to push on our edges. My concern about these labels, bisexual, pansexual, heterosexual, demisexual, is that we overly buy into them as real things. They're labels to explain who we are, sometimes with some people in some contexts. Maybe you are ubiquitously, enduringly like that, but it's okay to push on those edges. Just like I tell people, that claim, I'm only a top. No, you're not. That is not a rigid, um, intrinsic, uh, true thing. That means that's what you're comfortable with and familiar with and what you prefer. But it's okay to push on those boundaries. So either push on your boundaries or like I said, use your use your verbal, use your time and attention where you're keeping up with them, you're seeing them, you're always planning something. And then more importantly, let them know, hey, I tend to be one of those people where in the beginning, I don't have a lot of sexual desire. So please don't take that to mean I'm not interested. Hang in there with me and then say to them, however, I'm interested, attracted. And so I will push on those edges and feel free to maybe initiate some form of sexuality because my demisexual isn't more important, appropriate or legitimate than your standard sexuality. And so you both have work to do. I want them to honor who you are and you have to honor who they are. We have to meet, meet halfway. Um, remember that again, people get a little too rigid in these labels and what those labels mean. And then they become a self-fulfilling prophecy and they can sometimes get in our way. We can be bigger than it and we can be more than it. And sometimes it's more contextualized. So that's my answer to that. Because remember courtship is about being transparent and flirtation is about communication, letting someone know you're interested, complimenting them using terms of endearment. Hey, honey. Hey, sweetie. Hey, handsome. And also disclosures like, Hey, I like you. I enjoy my time with you. I had a lot of fun with you. So take advantage of those things because even people that aren't demisexual and are sexually desirous from the door or maybe do participate in hookup culture also have to find various and diverse ways to express interest to people. And um, there's so many ways to do it, thankfully. So shouldn't be a problem. Work on what I said. If you got a question for us, put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want to sit, circle back, drop deeper into, always anonymous, always confidential. Someone else might be wondering what you're wondering, so you're helping them as you're helping yourself. Past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down there for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Because y'all know we got to unlearn and then relearn, and it's all about the practice. We got to build that stuff in consistently. So having the show podcasted is really what ideally helps with that. So go back and listen to some stuff. Again, that's over at wearechannelq.com. Otherwise, y'all stick around because we got a whole lot more to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and on Odyssey. We'll be right back, y'all. So don't go anywhere. Oh, Rachel, we are back. And uh, we're talking about this whole concept of 
how to do with the brave how to deal with the brave new world. Some people are calling it lifestyle fatigue where, you know, I'm just tired of life. Everything's feeling heavy and dark and not fun. Other people are calling it anhedonia, which is this idea that I don't find joy and pleasure in things anymore, especially the things that I used to find joy and pleasure in other people. It's an existential depression and anxiety. Oh my God, what's going on in the world? Everything's messed up. No resolutions coming. All of it's reasonable and you're correct about all of it. None of it's pathological or disordered. I don't care what anyone tells you. That isn't a reason. These are all reasonable assumptions and feelings and thoughts as a result of what's going on and has been going on. But we don't need to have our lives made further depressing by it or to miss out on participating in the world because of it. So we're doing what mental health is, which is having a little adaptability saying, yes, I'm feeling those feelings, but I won't be directed by my mood. My mood will not determine what I do next because that is not being mentally healthy. I will make room for and allow all of these feelings and thoughts, but I will still move towards the things that are good for me. I will still do what's important and what needs to be done. I will still do what's effective. I'm not saying you're not allowed to lay on the couch sometimes. I'm not saying you're not allowed to roll up in bed and just cry or sleep. Have at it. But I'm just saying that can't be the longer term solution and that can't be your all your 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 you know consistent go-to. At some point we have to say, let me learn how to kind of really participate in the world while these things are happening, because there are always gonna be things happening. Part of mental health is often being depressed or sad or angry or anxious or lonely. Those aren't things to get rid of. They can't be gotten rid of permanently. No medication or therapy in the world will mean you'll become a robot and not feel things. And in fact, we don't want to not feel things. We have to learn how to make them workable. So one of the things we're talking about is how around these feelings, we often do what we call behavioral deactivation. We further depress ourselves by not going out and participating actively in the world. So go have an experience is what I always say. When in doubt, go out. In addition to that, maybe go spend time with someone, have a conversation, let them challenge your perspective or your thinking, or do it yourself by journaling or, or self-talk. Hey, what am I telling myself? Why am I feeling this way? What's the narrative or the story or the thinking tied and driving, tied to my mood and driving my mood? Is it dramatized? Is it catastrophized? Am I making assumptions? Am I deciding how the future is going to be when I couldn't possibly know it? That's called doing some cognitive therapy with yourself. Important. Now, what else can we do? Well, we're gonna do, there's a whole lot of things we can do. We're gonna go through a lot of them. Um, let me see which one I wanna hit next because I took a whole lot of notes on how I work with this. Okay, another thing, and this is something I've talked about a little bit, go spend time in nature. So that does tie to when in doubt go out, when, you know, go have an experience because it, it reminds us of what's real and true. This doesn't work for everyone, but when I am having a hard day and I go hike or I go sit outside or I go to the beach, it reminds me of what's real, that my worries are these small little things that are so insignificant to the larger world. And often it reminds me that things aren't bad, that there's things that are happening that are disappointing or frustrating, but things aren't bad. And that does kind of go with my, 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 my catchphrase of right size things is what's going on horrible and wrong and bad and worthy of these dramatic feelings? Or is it just that you're disappointed and frustrated and let down? Because those are lower level. You know, those are bummers. Let bummers be bummers. And in fact, sometimes we have to just be like, bummer and let it go and move on. There's something really beautiful in recognition of what happened and leaving it behind us if it, there's nothing constructive to do. It kind of goes back to the good old serenity prayer. If, I, if there's something I can do to change things, great, all in. But if I can't, I'll let it go and I accept it. Doesn't mean I'm, I'm all on board, doesn't mean I like it, but we roll with it. My example is always the weather. If I got my you know tank top and shorts on and I'm all excited for a sunny day and I go outside and it's raining, I have to accept it. 
I don't want it to rain. I'm not happy it rained, but I got to accept it. So I go inside, change, put a hoodie on, and go back to business. Case closed. I'm not going to make my whole morning ruined by going on and on and on about how I'm so angry and so upset it's raining. Dude, let it go. It's a bummer. Move on. Got a parking ticket? Pay it. Move on. Should have read the signs. Move on. Let it go. It's that whole thing. The whole phrase of saying okay to things doesn't mean you accept it or like it. And that's where people get hung up on acceptance. They think we're like saying it's okay or giving it permission. Oh, no, no, no. We're just not battling it. I'm not going to battle the parking ticket unless it was really given to me injusticely. Then I might. But if it was my own fault, I got what I should have gotten. I can't battle the rain. I can't battle the weather. I have to accept it. Put a hoodie on and go shopping. So there's this piece of acceptance and saying okay to things that we can't change. There's something so mentally healthy in that. Other things we can do. Sometimes when we're feeling, again, depressed about the world around us, not finding joy and value in what we used to, we have to create new forms of joy. What might now be able to provide that for me? Because mental health is living a life centered in joy, pleasure, rest, and relationship, not work. Work for most people isn't going to give them joy and pleasure. It's not meant to. It's what you do to pay your bills. Jobs are there to pay our bills. They're not meant to be things that give us identity and happiness in the world. And if yours does, great, congrats. Not everyone's does, and most people's won't. It's what they have to do to participate in the capitalist system to get their needs met. Because apparently we have to earn a living. We're not allowed to be alive without it. We have to earn housing and Wi-Fi and money and food. And it's quite heartbreaking because we should all have access to that no matter what. All right, we're going to go back and talk more about how to bring joy into these difficult times, which essentially, I guess, is the subheading of tonight's show. Um, but then we'll be doing DMs later, later, later. So drop them in the DMs on our Loveline IG page if you got questions and topics. Stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, so we are back and we're talking about a couple intersecting syndromes. Uh, none of these are bad, wrong, disordered, or pathological. They're expected healthy things that we will all experience, especially right now based on what's going on in the world around us. Some people are t- calling it existential dread and anxiety. You know, what's going on? Where are we going? The world's on fire. Other people call it anhedonia, which means we're not finding joy and pleasure in the world in the ways that we used to. Some people are calling it lifestyle fatigue, which is a new buzzword. Life is just in general making making me tired. Why is everything so exhausting? If I had a dollar for every time I hear that in my clinical practice with my patients, right? It's always like, Dr. Chris, I find joy and pleasure in nothing. Why does everything feel so hard and heavy and exhausting? And I'm like, right back at you, kid. Why? Why? Because of what's going on in the world around us. The world is different. It's not familiar. We've been really backed away from, and now we're re-entering. So for some of us, it's new levels of chaos and stimulation that we lost the resilience around because we've been hibernating. For others, it's the opposite. They're used to so much stimulation, and now everything feels flat and boring. So we were talking about a thousand things. We're talking about when in doubt, go out. Allow yourself to feel your feeling, but go participate in the world. Then we were talking about the fact that just having a conversation with a friend about it can give us that necessary reality testing and can help us sometimes work through and really challenging the validity of what we're thinking and feeling. Um, I was talking about spending time in nature, which hopefully can remind you 
things aren't as bad as I thought they were, or I'm dramatizing things. But then we were talking about joy. Um, I think I mentioned this on the show. I'll mention it again. I work with some of my patients on creating what we call a joy calendar. I think I talked about this on the show before, where it's important for us to see it. It's not enough to know it, see it. And for me, I can't see it and be as impacted by it if it's in my calendar on my phone. I actually draw on paper my own calendar and I hang it up. And in a certain color, I write the things that are fun-based. So I I see fun coming. I know that there's fun ahead. I know that my life is full of fun. I make sure I at least have one fun thing on my calendar in red every single week. Otherwise, my work in my week is just work and we are not here to just work. In fact, joy, pleasure, social rest, leisure, and relationship should be coming before work. We're working on that. We're shrinking down the work week, six hour days, four day work week, still making the same money. We're working on it. We're unionizing. We're getting our needs met, healthcare. We're working on it. But in the meantime, create a joy calendar. Also create in that joy calendar, the social part, put socialization in green. So you can see, look, spend a time with someone this week, every week. And you can start this whatever you want. Monday, you can plan for the coming weekend, however you want to do it. But you want to both have it so it happens, but also have it on the calendar so when you look at it, you can be impacted positively by experiencing seeing it on the calendar, right? Disneyland's fun because Disneyland itself is fun when you're there. But it's also fun to see Disneyland penciled in on the calendar knowing it's coming because I'd smile every time I saw that I was going to Disneyland this week, next week, or a month from now or whatever it is. But we want to build in weekly moments of joy. So have a calendar, write it in a certain color so that you make sure you have something planned and also you can experience the joy of knowing you have something planned. And I'd also build in something social as well in a different color. So that you have a a joy-based thing that might just be something for you, you alone and you yourself and also something social. I don't care what it is, coffee, a hike, a FaceTime hang, a date, bowling, roller skating, who cares? Get both on that calendar. That is part of how we work with all that's going on in our world, those syndromes of lifestyle fatigue, anhedonia, existential anxiety and dread, because this is time away from it, it's distraction, it's some reality testing, and more importantly, gets us fully participating in our lives. So that joy calendar thing might be all that you need. Also, just because I wanna throw this out there as well, rest, allow rest. I was talking with a few patients in my practice about it this week, we don't need to earn rest We don't need to defend why it is we spend a couple hours on the couch watching movies. So, well, I had a really long week. I earned it. You don't need to earn it. You're allowed to just do it. Even if you had a restful week, you're still allowed to take all day Saturday to binge watch your favorite show. We are allowed to have joy and pleasure. We don't need to defend it or earn it. I want us to get familiar saying, yeah. I also want us to realize we don't have to earn food. Get rid of this whole like, oh, I got to do more cardio tomorrow or I'm eating differently because what I ate last night. No, just eat the bagel. Side topic. We'll talk more about that down the road. But we're not defending joy and pleasure in our lives anymore, whether it's food, sex, rest. You don't have to defend sex. You can have as much sex as you want as long as it's consensual and it's not harming you or anyone else. Have at it. We're allowed to center and prioritize joy and pleasure, just not where it harms us or other people. Because we want to pathologize that. You know, We want to defend it. What we're eating, oh, this dessert, eat the dessert. You don't need to defend or explain and you don't need to punish yourself or earn it. Same thing with sex and everything else. But that's in there, joy calendar. Um, What else did I write down on my notes? I put a whole bunch of stuff down for this. Yeah, so I wanna talk about this really quickly too because I think this ties into what I just said, that downtime isn't boredom. 
I think we confuse having nothing stimulating to do. We turn that into boredom all of a sudden, as though we should always have shiny, shiny objects going on throughout our day and our week and our lives. Oh, no, no. There's got to be multiple ongoing periods of time where there's nothing exciting happening. It's called having nothing exciting happening, but that doesn't mean and shouldn't be translated into boredom. Because then you're basically saying, I'm a child and I need to be constantly entertained, like I'm four. No, you don't. Sometimes we have downtime, which means we're just laying there. We're just sitting. We're just thinking. We're just watching something. We're just listening to music. I don't know what it is, but we can't always be stimulating ourselves. We can't be living at Disneyland. At some point, we got to come home and deal with general day-to-day life. It's not always exciting, that, but that doesn't mean something bad or something's bad or wrong. We really got to work at that one. Another one, and I can't believe I hadn't thought of this before, but I was reading a really beautiful article on this, spending time with art. It shifts us into a different part of ourselves because inherently where art tends to live and exist is a quiet reflective space around people being quiet and reflective. So it both gets us out of the house. It also puts us around other people. It also takes us out of ourselves, but it also normalizes reflective, quiet time with self and other where we slow, we drop our voice. Even the stimulations levels that we're seeking drop because we stand there before something. Learn how to tolerate things like that. Going for a hike with no music or not being on your phone and just being outdoors, just sitting on the beach without a book, without music and just being. We have to learn how to just be. We have to do less and be more. We'll talk about it coming up next. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we're back and we're just finishing up our discussion of lifestyle fatigue, anhedonia. We're not feeling joy and pleasure in the world anymore, existential anxiety and dread, all these different things. And there's so much we can do with it, which is we're not trying to eliminate it because some of it's very reasonable. It's not pathological or disordered. It's an understandable response or perspective based on what's happening and has happened. My God, if you haven't felt it or thought it, you got your head buried under a rock. However, we don't want to just swim in it consistently and be only living and feeling from it because there's a lot of other feelings that are accessible and experiences that are accessible. Mental health is flexibility and adaptability. Yes, that's happening, but I can also tap into and feel from that other thing that's happening or something else that's about to happen. None of these things are any more real or true. I could have gotten dumped, but also gotten a job promotion. And I can both feel sad for a minute about getting dumped and then transition and feeling excited about my job promotion. Like I told you a story once, and I'll tell you probably the same story again because I tend to repeat myself, but I remember seeing a friend who had lost a parent and everyone was shocked that this person was on the playground laughing. And I said, dear God in heaven, let them find a moment of joy away from the sadness, grief, and mourning of losing a parent. Like there's nothing pathological about them finding some distraction or time away from that. Not everyone when they're sad or losing someone has to be wearing all black crying all the time. They're actually showing a lot of mental health. There's a flexibility and an adaptability. As long as you're not shaming or pathologizing those feelings of grief and loss, feel them, feel them as long as you want. That's why there is no disorder in grief. There's no grief disorder. Oh, you've been sad too long. Based on who? How do you know? Who says? Let's get rid of all that stuff. Feel all your feelings. But we have to be thoughtful about which ones we buy into and what we do with them and how they impact ourselves and others. So we're trying to have a little flexibility. So we were talking about just going out and doing things. When in doubt, go out. When in doubt, have an experience. Go be around people. Let them test reality with you. Let them reflect back what they're hearing so you can really assess the validity of it all. Talking about a joy calendar, building things into a calendar that you can literally actively see that reminds you of what's coming and what's ahead so you can celebrate it 
anticipatorily. You also know you are participating in the world. And then when it happens, the joy of actually being there as well. Allowing ourselves to have rest and downtime, which isn't boredom. Don't call it that. And you don't have to earn your rest or downtime. You have a right to take as much of it as you want. You could be like, look, I just came back from being on vacation all week. And I also decided this week I'm going to be on the couch watching television. Great. Do you? That sounds beautiful. I will never say work has to happen at some point. If you don't have to ever work, don't. So go with your bad self. Um, what else was I talking about? Kind of covered that. Art, it slows us down. It helps us realize we can find meaning in things that aren't as stimulating. It's very reflective, brings us out of the house as well. Also spiritual practice. Maybe now's the time to start to ask yourself, what are my bigger, deeper beliefs about the world, higher power, or the meaning and purpose of life? So many different entry points. But spirituality has saved my life literally many, many, many times. There have been many dark, dark, dark times in my life where spirituality was what was a tool and also a reason for me to be able to still exist. Yeah. A tool to help you make sense of what's happening and to find value and transformation in what's happening. Because during dark, depressing times, there's a lot of growth and worth in that. We don't want to just say depression's bad, get rid of it at all costs, give me a med. No. What is it telling me? What changes are necessary and required? What is it calling attention to? How can I let this transform me? Um, and also gives you reasons to make meaning out of things. I'm not going to say much more about it because it's a private personal thing for me, but I would just advise you all tapping into some spiritual practice. I think we all need one. It doesn't have to be religion or God. And if that's your thing, that's cool too. There's a lot of amazing religions that are deconstructionists and have gone beyond fundamental and evangel evangel evangelicalism. Yes. And you can find a lot of really beautiful, meaningful things there. Even if you don't identify as Catholic, Christian, or um, Hindu or whatever it is. I, I study all world religions and I find a lot of value in a lot of them. Um, Kabbalah has given me a lot of tools. Hinduism has given me a lot of tools. Buddhism has given me even more, although it's not a religion. It's a spiritual practice of sorts, more of a philosophy. Christianity, current deconstructionist Christianity has been very powerful and beautiful for me. But that's my journey, y'all. You got to find yours. But I try to live more in spiritual values. Secondary to that is mental health values. Those are always my two, my big two. Um, and here's another one. Uh, don't generalize everything. We don't know what's to come how we feel now doesn't determine how we'll feel next or what's, what's, you know, what's possible. Um, and trying to find some gratitude, you know, you're allowed to think something's all bad. Some things are just all bad, but other times there's things that are a gift within that badness. And we want to hold space for that. Sometimes everything isn't all bad and we just focus on the bad, darker component to the detriment of or another truth and reality, which is something good might be tied to that or born out of that. That's just as real and honest. We're trying to live in reality always. We can have two opposing experiences or feelings at the same time. Shocker, but it's true. Something can be both bad and good. In fact, most things are. Very few things are all bad or all good. You know, I said to my clients that are single wanting relationship. Relationships just different. There's a lot of negativity and darkness that comes with it. Singledom has a lot of beauty as well. It's probably the easiest configuration, even though it's hard at times. Um, so really kind of rounding that out. We just can't overly buy into what we're feeling. We have to we have to really interrogate it. Always interrogate your feelings. They're not always valid and they're not always legitimate and they're not always true. And it's a shocker. I used to say otherwise, but um, I now know better. Um, all right, coming up next, we're gonna be doing some DMs. So if you got a question for us, topic you wanna sit, something you want us to circle back, drop deeper into, put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes of the show are always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. We'll be back listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey.
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs come from our Love Atlanta G page. Put your questions and topics in there. All right, this one says, hey, Dr. D, I love listening to you every day. Aw, thanks. I am always thankful and excited to be a part of everyone's journey. I always feel blessed. Uh, so thanks for sharing that. You said uh, I've been married for 18 years. All right, look at you. In it for the long haul. About nine months ago, <laughs> I really messed up. I hooked up with a coworker. Ah, uh, yes. Messed up on many levels, right? Because that person's right over there all the time. And that's part of the problem, right? You know, sometimes we have infidelities with people that we can't necessarily get away from or escape, thereby making it maybe risky or not necessarily if our partners uh, are brought into this or find out, you know, made to feel safe because we go see them every day at work. Anyway, back to your thing. You said nine months ago, I messed up, hooked up with my coworker. I told my husband after it happened and have been changing ever since. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Not everyone goes as far as to share that, but I think either way, it's important to realize what does that mean? You know, whatever an infidelity occurs, I want you to say, what's, what's that about? Is it just about, I made a bad decision, kind of lost myself, let go of my integrity, or is it a communication about my relationship, my partner, how my partner feels about me, uh, some issue within our relationship, our sex life, our commitment, you know, do, do make sure to ask yourself, like, what was that about? And then how do I, 
you know, prevent that from happening again. Uh, you said, I got a new job. I went to therapy while we could afford it and have been getting self-help books. See, this is listeners. This is an example of why infidelity can lead to some really powerful transformation where couples get closer, they fix things. But more importantly, this is what accountability looks like. Someone's like, listen, this is what happened. I'm going to do what I need to do to make you feel safe and prevent it from happening again, which in this person's case, they were able and willing to get a new job, which isn't always the case. Went to therapy, beautiful sign. And the person's reading books to learn about themselves. This is, this is awesome. Best case scenario. I'm proud of you. Uh, you said our anniversary is coming up and I'm not sure how to handle it. And I appreciate that. What can I do to work towards making a positive of our anniversary day that was special? Do I leave the anniversary date alone? What can I do to make it a positive, at least for myself, so I don't feel miserable? I want to keep fighting and all, but I just don't know. We haven't had a date night in a long time either. Okay, so a lot can be done. Let's start with the date night. You know, it's, it's really important that you are demonstrating interest and attention on your partner and your marriage. So I think you should say to your partner, I want date nights back on the calendar again. Choose a date. I'm sorry, choose a night and say, that's our special night. It is protected at all costs. That is not free time. It doesn't matter what's requested or asked of us in the world. That is time that we're not available. And um, awesome on that front. And then as far as the anniversary, ask your partner what maybe they're comfortable with. But I think it is important if you're going to renew the marriage, which you have chosen to do, because we either release and move on or renew, that you honor that date. And you both vulnerably and transparently talk about whatever difficulty might come up. But I would try to talk about that ahead of time. I would say to your, you know, your partner, listen, I want to I wanna honor our anniversary. It's important to me. But um, I want to make sure that that date doesn't bring up a lot for us. So let's spend the day before talking about whatever triggers are there or whatever we need to get out of the way so that on our actual anniversary, we can just settle into having a good time. And I would say we're not going to talk about anything but the positives of our relationship. Our anniversary, we are going to do something. We will talk about what we value in each other. We will talk about our vision for our marriage moving forward and we will focus on the positive. It's important that we have the skills to do that and it's important to do that on that date. That date should not be spent doing anything other than honoring the relationship that we're renewing and working towards improving. Um, and that's kind of, that's what I got. That's what you do. You know, part of rebuilding trust after trust is broken is slowly moving back towards the things we used to do before it was broken. The things we used to do that really were symbolic and literal in terms of what they say about us in our marriage. So that's a part of healing but I wouldn't process on that date what that date means for you. I would do it the day before, get that out of the way. And in your therapy, you can talk about the impact it's had on you, all the concerns you have, but you should withhold that part you know, from the anniversary and maybe even your partner as well, because your partner is doing their own healing. And um, commit to not doing it again, and you learn and grow, and then you get to release yourself from this. I even say it to people in recovery. Now that you are off drugs and alcohol, you don't have to drag forward everything you did while you were loaded or trying to get loaded. You don't have to keep talking about prison and people you harmed. We're allowed to leave that behind us, and so are you. All right, y'all, that is our show. As always, thanks for letting me be part of your journey. Y'all have a good rest of your night. I'll see you tomorrow night, y'all. Good night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 